0: Section Forty Four of the World War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume Fifteen, The World War, edited by Horatio W. Dresser. Section Forty Four with Maud at the Taking of Baghdad nineteen seventeen by arthur t clark england declared war on turkey november five nineteen fourteen the turkish fort at Foul, at the head of the persian gulf was taken november seventh and Bosra on the twenty third in the operations of nineteen fifteen a force under general townsend captured kut al Amara september twenty ninth and the turks withdrew to baghdad general townsend then pushed on in the direction of baghdad with fifteen thousand men but he suffered a reverse and after losing several thousand men retreated to Koot, where his forces were besieged by the turks until he was forced to surrender after one hundred and forty three days the second campaign against the turks near Koot began to be successful in january 1917 and khud fell february twenty sixth by march eighth the british were within eight miles of baghdad which fell into their hands three days later the way was then open for campaigns elsewhere the author of this selection is a young american who went to mesopotamia to engage in y m c a work the editor the new campaign was under way general maud had taken command of the expeditionary force townsend and his men were prisoners of the turks kut el amara was in turkish hands kut el amara must be taken so stood affairs when our transport arrived at the tigris we stuck in the bar at the mouth every boat does it was hot and sticky like a summer day in new york near the mouth of the river a fleet of native boats was starting on a trading expedition shades of sinbad indeed those great bulging sails might take their ancient hulls and the arabian pilots to any magic shore afternoon brought the tide and set us free we entered the muddy river steaming between banks of swamp little was said as we steamed up the winding current we studied the faces of the skippers of the native boats we passed little they knew or cared whether british or turks were winning farther up the river they had their business as usual and had never paid the turks any taxes we spent the night amid peaceful oriental scenes and people where father-time is never heeded and where present and future blend into one we were due for a different more modern atmosphere in the morning we were at Basra. all the thoughts of peace of quiet of ease conjured up with the night fled before the light of a different scene there was war unceasing and tireless the proof was on every hand the river was full of transports of the army and gunboats of the navy the land for miles was a mass of camps barracks supply dumps and workshops it was war and nothing else none of these things would have been here otherwise it was a tremendous business and busra was the warehouse and workshop time meant something now immense bands of indian and egyptian laborers were working at top speed on roads railroads and wharves other bands were unloading stores from the ocean boats and piling them up in great huge pyramids here and there a motor lorry or a ford ambulance was sending up a cloud of dust as it tore over the desert while at the transport stations were hundreds more with their drivers awaiting orders to get on with a job not a moment must be lost kut el Amara must be taken basra with its river district of Ashar, lay on the west bank of the river the many flat-roofed turkish buildings were now converted into billets or offices of the british army where had stood soft couches for the idle pasha now stood tables with typewriters going at newspaper office speed where had been turkish gardens now were piles of cut-stone for roads brought from overseas there were signs of the intrigue of the days of peace materials for the berlin Baghdad railway were piled as they had been left by the teuton railway engineers a canal near the town was bridged for the small british army railway by rails made in berlin marked Basra. immense as were the preparations we knew that each unit of troops each stock of stores each conveyance machine building and improvement was to have its share larger small in the great campaign which must be successful because everything was ready it was a cold crisp evening in december one of the coldest days of the year though still above freezing when a paddle-boat landed at the casualty dock and sent off the wounded on stretchers with their uniforms spattered with blood and rough field dressings on their wounds they were brought into the hospital huts they were the first wounded of the campaign some of them young boys of nineteen or twenty had gone over the top for the first time one of them was sitting up on his stretcher and seemed quite happy. Good evening, chum. I said, Where do you cop it? With a broad grin, he turned and said, Ah, I copped it fair, not af a blinkin' bit a shell in me thigh. But he smiled when he said it. A few hours later I found him sitting on his bed, wiggling his five toes to show he could use the leg he still had. Another boatload came next day. They were a game lot. Yes, they had done their bit, but were willing to take more if there was more coming to them some of the operations were worse than wounds but they went to them all like men we had a celebration in one of the wards a piece of shell was taken from one of the men's legs with the iron scrap where a button and a piece of a watch that had come from the clothes of the comrade on his right good christmas present that he said as he thought of the approaching day of days all was going well at coote general marshall's force was moving westward south of coote while the other section of the force under general cobb was attacking the trenches on the northern bank the tigris from coot running almost due east gave two distinct fronts one on each bank marshes north of the river made any enveloping movement by the british in that section out of the question but on the south side the position was different and the blow was struck the enemy's attention was held by our attacks on the north bank at sunyat while at some distance south of the river a force moved west lengthening out its line over the river high which flows due south from coot, till the cavalry advance post was four miles west of coote the position changed its face from north and south to east and west slowly but surely the line moved nearer the tigris the turks steadily falling back toward its edge there was hard fighting to be done and tommy did it well christmas came and there was a light-hearted happy lot of men to enjoy the songs that go round at christmas time wherever it was possible an extra fine concert was got up among the men to celebrate the occasion in one of our hospital tents queer-looking performers stood on the platform of the improvised stage bandaged heads with slits for eyes arms and slings feet with bandages so thick they might mean gout brought added zest to the occasion when each man tried to do his part in the evening fun when pieces of sweet chocolate were offered as prizes for excellence with the mouth organ or with songs the applicants for the test came in crowds i can no sing but i will try said a scotchman who had just come from Saint-Yat with a slight scrape from a stray bullet he started off on a little scotch ballad that sent the thoughts home to the fireside but there were more serious things to be thought of elsewhere in the firing trenches were men who could not take time off to think about christmas many units had gone from our station into the trenches a few days before and each boat brought back some of the old friends who had stopped something during one of the engagements that were going on so steadily january came round and the new year started the pressure against the turkish line south of the river became more and more earnest casualties were heavy on both sides in one sector of the line a small detachment of english troops got into a tight hole and was nearly surrounded help was slow in arriving something went wrong some of them thought the beggars have let us down but they didn't say it they gritted their teeth and fired till their rifles were hot when relief came the turks were repulsed the little force was nearly wiped out but they found more turkish dead around them and they had lost day after day the pressure against the turks continued till at last it was too great to withstand and after nearly a month's resistance they withdrew to the northern bank crossing in pontoons and native craft under cover of darkness the river high now became the centre of activity and convoys and wounded came quite regularly from the trenches just below the town of koot we could see the place easy i think we'll be in-in a few days said one enthusiastic tommy who a few hours before had been hit as he was wildly plunging on toward coote as though it were his responsibility to take the town little did he suppose that there was no intention of entering the city from that direction it wouldn't do to disillusion him the first of february was celebrated by the bringing down of a german Fokker airplane now wild and marvelous exploits were following each other in quick succession on the second a section of cavalry galloped up the river twenty-five miles past and threatened to cut the Turkish line of communications with their force. On the tenth, the force moving north was just across the river from Koot. The Turkish licorice factory shelled till it was no longer a landmark, and the position around it fell into British hands. Five days later, in a bend of the river at Koot, the Turkish force, less fortunate than the one that got back to safety, surrendered. All day long they came out of their trenches with white flags tied to their bayonets in one place. The surrendering force outnumbered the attacking force they seemed happy to be taken we have waited for the rain and mud to stop you said a young turkish officer but fate willed that it should not rain now every fighting turk was on the north bank of the river two days afterward the scotchmen delivered a terrific attack on the sanyat position it failed and casualties that day were heavy it was a busy time for us in camp but work is a pleasure when there is such response as comes from wounded men some of the men had smoked their last fags when we found them some they were as thankful as though we had found them bags of gold some had no hands to hold them or light them but when a chum stuck one into another's mouth and held a match to it a smile came over his face with a meaning that words could not express at night the pain grew worse and the smiles less broad but there was never a whimper one man had copped it a little worse than he could stand and was gradually approaching the time to go west he whispered to ask whether he might have a fag he added and the lines of his face that were drawn with pain relaxed in an easy smile the twenty-second was a day which will be long remembered another attack at sunyat this time a success all through the day they fought six times the turks counter-attacked only to be beaten back almost destroyed by evening two lines of trenches were in our hands all through the night the british force on the other side of coot was preparing to cross the river the turks all on the northern bank across the river from coot there was a great commotion among the british troops and anxious to stop what might cross there the turks brought all the men they could spare to the scene nothing stirred a little lower down a party launched a pontoon crossed and captured a turkish trench mortar more turkish troops were drawn down the river it was nearly day when quietly mysteriously three parties of boats started to cross the river four miles above coot the turks had been drawn away the stunt was a surprise three companies of english and one of indian troops got a foothold on the turkish bank that was the beginning of the end a pontoon bridge fairly sprang across the river while it was in progress the scotch again attacked at still trusting in their strong position the turks fought doggedly despite the fact that a few miles to their rear the british were crossing the river perhaps they did not know the attack was splendid and the opposition crumbled by four thirty in the afternoon the army was crossing the newly made bridge built in nine hours across a river in flood three hundred and forty yards wide that was the end pell-mell the turks rushed up the river leaving guns stores shells small arms ammunition equipment bridge material tents trench mortars strewn over the country in their wake the story of that hasty retreat one hundred and fifteen miles to baghdad with the british following gunboats on the river cavalry on the right and infantry following us as fast as their legs could carry them is a melodrama in itself a river bank strewn with war materials guns half-buried or thrown into the river turkish wounded stripped and plundered by arab boudous. half-dead animals struggling in a mess of harness and rope and the turkish force now a disorderly mob fleeing for baghdad closed in and riddled with bullets on both sides and driven from behind that tells something of the scene a week's halt at assize gave time for the british to reorganize and prepare for the final drive the turks still disorganized and demoralized, took up a position at lodge the site of townsend's camp at the time in nineteen fifteen when he could sweep on no farther toward baghdad a day of heavy spirited attacks was all the turks could stand this time they evacuated the position during the night seven miles south of baghdad the river Diala flows from the northeast into the tigris here the turks made their last feeble stand to press the advantage of the turkish retreat boats were launched in the bright moonlight to cross the river without the aid of artillery for which registering was impossible so swift had been the advance time after time volunteers entered these boats only to be shot down and to float in the drifting boats down the river next night behind a barrage of dust raised by a volley of shells sixty men made the opposite bank all that night in a natural stronghold in the bank they held back the turkish attacks next day british machine-guns on the south bank playing in front of the little position prevented the turks from attacking next night while the little force still held their position the main british force silently crossed high up over the stream and swung round in the rear of the turks another pell-mell retreat began and there was no determined halt until the pursued turks were twenty miles north of baghdad our paddle-boat was steaming toward baghdad we were turning the last bend in the winding river just as the sun was rising there through the mist we could see the shimmery city of the caliphs all that the wondrous tales of baghdad had told us lay half concealed through that veiling mist the domes and the minarets of the mosques, as perfect as the best in form the clusters of palms the fruit orchards and the old wall to keep out the hordes of infidels all were there the city of golden domes and the palace of Harun al Rashid. we steamed nearer the mist cleared and there was the tumble-down city of a turkish pasha near still we moved and now there was more to be seen barges of supplies the paddle-boats the huge camps and the palms and the british flags it was the british city of bagdad end of section forty four